informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, July 17th, 2023. It's the Feast of the Carmelites of Compagnon or Companion or something in French. Ooh, and all the French people are going to be yelling at me. The sisters were martyred in the sixth in the during the French Revolution, and there were sixteen Carmelite nuns who were taken out and they were beheaded. Mother Henriette represented the Carmelites before the tribunal. In fact, she went to the prosecutor and asked them to explain the accusations against them. The prosecutor revealed that it was because they were too attached to two things, namely their religion. And their king, a very concerning situation. Now, they were, did this, your mother, companion, mother did this in order to have it make it clear that they were dying for the faith and the church. So that way they'd be known to be martyrs. They were then put out onto, to be executed, to be beheaded. And as they went one by one, each sister went up to Mother Superior, knelt before her, and asked permission to be executed. She said permission to be martyred, and she granted it, showing holy obedience even to the end. A young sister was wanting to have a glass of water, and one of the revolutionaries actually offered her some water. And when she offered her water, she, the, one of the other sisters encouraged her in the faith and told her not to take the water. Why is that? Because she said that she would have an abundant water in heaven mm. and encourage her to not to take on those things. Now, there is a, a, uh, a opera that was made after this, an opera that was made about this exact scene in which the character was Blanche de la Force, who came onto the scene and she said that she was going to, she was a apostate from the Carmelite sisters. And whenever she apostatized, she came back to the faith after seeing the sisters slowly being executed. And in the opera, they start singing the Veni Creator Spiritus and slowly one by one, the sister, you hear the, the drop of the guillotine and one less voice in the choir. Until the last sister, the prioress, who is the captain of the ship, who always go down with their ship, she goes out onto the steps, and she herself is executed. A beautiful witness, especially considering yesterday is the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Today we have the feast of the Carmelites of Campanien. So these sisters, the Carmelites of Campanien, pray for us. Happy Monday to you, and howdy to Catholic Spirit Radio, who we've been broadcasting on since June, so good morning to y'all. And I have, before we get started, I want to uh, rec- uh, read to y'all a little message that we have from our uh, president, Sammy Rodriguez. He wants me to share with you that he has inspiring and encouraging message for you during these trying times. So he said to look out for a letter from him uh, the coming days, which will be reveal some valuable insights for daily growth. And he said, if you do not receive one, well, make sure you reach out to him. Go to GRN online or rather email him at GRN online at GRN online dot com. 
And he said he'll gladly send you one. So make sure you check out for those uh, that letter. Let me know when you get one. I'd be very curious uh, if you got one. And if you don't, go email him at grnonline at grnonline.com. Hopefully that's easy to remember. Uh, but joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Adrian. It is good to be back here on Catholic Drive Time. It's been a while, but uh, here I am. I'm filling in for Tito this morning, so I'm excited to be here. Well, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. It's uh, it's been about a, a month since you made an appearance. That's and true. So it's uh, it's good to see uh, see your smiling face back on uh, back on the radio. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, there we go. Uh, for those of you who uh, can actually stream us and see my smiling face, you'll see he's making fun of me because I have crooked teeth. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it, brother. Well, there you go, folks. There you go. Well, I had a wonderful weekend. My uh, friends of the TFP came over on Saturday, and we uh, had some ribeye steaks. Oh. And uh, we then we just hung we out. We're talking about and, Wagyu. We're talking oh, about USDA I wish. Prime. Ooh, Wagyu. Oh, man, that'd I'm be good. TFP boys, they're, oh. you know, they're in the money, right? I mean. Right, right, right. <laughs> we were actually helping them. We made uh, a thousand miraculous medals. My wow. my mom, myself, my my mom and my little sister did 90% of the work. My dad and I came in, <laughs> in the last 10 and uh, we did like the last so the sticks hundred, <laughs> <laughs> and we strung up a thousand miraculous medals, and uh, they're going to be giving them out starting today. They're going on campaign across the South. Um, they have several campaigns all across America right now. Wow! And I'm very excited to uh, hear how that goes at the end. But uh, wait, are they the go. ones that individually wrap them in little envelopes and say, "This is your miraculous medal"? No, no. Oh, okay, that. I've seen those yeah. before, and those are kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. No, they have them. Um, just in strings, they hand them to people as they just passing them out very on the cool. streets. So that's very good, very good. At 15 past the hour today, we're going to be talking about the Barbie movie. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you've seen the ads. I don't know how you could not. They are literally everywhere. Uh, should you take your daughter to see this movie? Hmm, that's the question. 15 past the hour, we're going to talk about that. At 30 past the hour, did you know the U.S. oil reserves are gone? Hmm. All of it? Not one drop left? That's concerning. In the next hour, Duncan Stroik is going to be joining us to talk about classical architecture. So you're going to want to tune in for that. It's a, going to be a wonderful conversation. And, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling game show. And so you're going to want to tune in for that. It's going to be a good time. Let's begin in prayer. We pray for whatever it is you have going on in your life. We are praying for your intentions. For We pray for an end to child trafficking. And we pray to the most precious blood of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O oh my God, I beg of thee in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death, and the deliverance of that soul in purgatory which is nearest heaven. I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. This is Rudy Carlos filling in for Tito. Today is Monday, July the 17th, and here are your headlines. Catholic News Agency reports the 12 keys to using the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Yesterday was the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Pope Pius XII once said, quote, The devotion to the Carmelite scapular has brought down on the world a copious reign of spiritual and temporal graces, unquote. 
Now, the article is a little too long to summarize here, so I suggest you go and read it for yourself over at Catholic News Agency. But among the key takeaways, the brown scapular is recognized by the church as a sacramental, that is, a sign that helps us to live in a holy life and to increase our devotion. The scapular does not impart grace as the sacraments do, but it does dispose the person wearing it to the love of the Lord and to repentance if it's received with devotion. It's known also as a gift from the Virgin Mary. According to tradition, the scapular, as it's now known, uh, was given by the Virgin Mary herself to St. Simon Stock on July 16, 1251. Catholic Vote reports diversity, equity, and inclusion officers might be going extinct. I'll believe it when I see it. The Financial Times reports that diversity, equity, and inclusion, otherwise known as DEI officers and companies across the nation, have been vacating their positions over the past year. Disney, Netflix, Twitter, Amazon, and Nike were named among the corporations in the study, perhaps learning from the mistakes of other companies like what was done recently with Bud Light. And Indiana court rules in favor of the Archdiocese in Religious Liberty case. An Indiana court ruled in favor of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis in a case surrounding a guidance counselor who was dismissed from her position at Roncalli, a Catholic high school, because of her 2018 so-called uh, same-sex marriage in violation of her contract and Catholic teaching. Shelley Fitzgerald, who appealed the decision, was responsible for communicating the Catholic faith to students and families and advising students both practically and spiritually as they discern their vocational path at and after Roncalli. And here's a bit of internal news. This is from us here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please join us for the Summer Speaker Series this week with keynote speaker Father Bill Casey. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please join us this Thursday for our Summer Speaker Series at the Frontiers of Flight Museum, featuring a keynote talk by Father Bill Casey. It's going to be a fantastic night of faith, fellowship, and good food. For tickets and more information, please make sure to visit grnonline.com forward slash summer that's grnonline.com forward slash summer those are your breaking news and stories stay tuned for more on catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired back to you adrian the gospel of the day comes from matthew chapter 10 verses 34 through chapter 11 verse 1 and we'll start with verse uh, 1 here they're talking about the our lord telling the apostles that he came not to bring peace but the sword and verse 34 he says do not think that i came to send peace upon earth i came not to send peace but the sword now this is very scandalous to many people they're like how could our lord say such a thing that sounds so so mean so so harsh aren't we supposed to be nice and our Lord Cornelius Lapide explains that he says here this because his peace is not an earthly peace. For Christ promised by Isaiah that he would bring a spiritual peace of mind. The peace of the union of the faithful among themselves, meaning Catholic with Catholic, and with God and his angels. We are in communion with the heavenly court, which leads to peace and everlasting felicity, and felicity means hope or joy, this kind of hope in heaven. Now he says, but a sword. Now you might say, okay, well, that makes sense to me. Uh, but why does he bring up a sword here? Isn't, aren't swords bad? We don't like, we don't like weapons. Uh, well, our Lord here says that sword is very clear. So Cornelius Lapide explains that St. Luke has it as separation. And so this explains discord in faith and religion. He means that he will separate his faithful by reason of their faith from unbelievers. We should not associate so much with unbelievers. 
lest we ourselves be influenced by them. But the unbelievers will, on their part, take the occasion to separate themselves from the faithful. Have you ever noticed that? That the more faithful you become, the less people who are mm, secular like to hang out with you, Mm. like to spend time with you. Been there. And they will hate them, and they will deprive them of liberty and goods and life. This is what Christ especially refers to when he talks about these words in Micah. So this is very, very important to keep in mind. Now, in the verse 35 here, it gets almost even more controversial, if that could be the case. Our Lord goes on and says, For I came to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Ooh, now this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? So what is our Lord saying here? Well, he makes it clear that we must love God above all things. And if our family be leading us astray, leading us away from God, then we should disregard your parents, your daughter, your mother, your father, everyone for our Lord's sake. For a man's foes shall be they of his own household. What does this mean? Well, it means that your parents, your family may try to tell you, no, stop being faithful. No, don't follow Christ. And you may be shocked to hear something like this, but many such cases. I've heard from my own friends who have converted from the faith. I'm so blessed to be to have my parents be Catholic. But from my convert friends, they tell me very often that their parents are secularist and they're like, Oh, well, if you were uh, just doing normal things, they're, they're totally okay with you uh, shacking up with your girlfriend. They're totally okay with you doing very secular things. But God forbid that you become Catholic. God forbid that you try to order your life rightly. That, for some reason, infuriates them, and it causes division in families. A very concerning situation. And so we must love God more than anything else. Because if we indulge your soul... We lose it. So we must, in fact, mortify it, which the next verse there tells us that we must carry our cross. If we seek not the cross, if we hate the cross, if we hate suffering, then we cannot have the grace of the kingdom of God. So let's take up our cross and let us remember, yes, we have to honor our father and mother. But if our family leads us away from God, well, then we have to put God first. God first, everything else second. Everything else second. We'll be right back talking about the Barbie movie, Should You Take Your Daughters? Hey, Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? The no love and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right, so we can be happy with him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that we should stop opposing things like abortion and homosexual unions because there's simply nothing we can do about it? You can't prevent that stuff. It's inevitable. So just accept it. Well, 
G.K. Chesterton says the other word for inevitability is impenitence. We have let ourselves be dominated by the notion that there's no turning back. This idea is rooted in materialism and the denial of free will. Now this modern refusal to undo what has been done is not only an intellectual fault, it is a moral fault also. It is not merely our mental inability to understand the mistake we have made, it's also our spiritual refusal to admit that we have made a mistake. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. We're going to be talking about the Barbie movie. Have you seen ads for that? I wouldn't. I would be surprised if you have not seen ads for that. For some reason, they are really are they really pushing this movie? Are they pink? Maybe they're. Did they you know blue? Barbie was pink? I didn't know that. What? Literally? I didn't know pink. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, <laughs> I knew that. How could you not know that? There's like. No, I thought you had like literally everywhere. like solid pink. Oh no, no. Oh. Yeah, but it's crazy. There's Barbie ads absolutely everywhere on YouTube and billboards on. Every social media app you go to, it's it's crazy. Barbie, yeah, Barbie, say, Barbie. You know, it's some some meme pages on Facebook, they're all talking about, oh, me and the boys, we're going to go see Oppenheimer and Barbie at the same time. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, they're calling I it like I can't wait uh, to go see Barbie. Barbieheimer or something like that. I think it's they called it. Yeah. And, uh, but this is, this is very concerning, actually, because it's it's kind of strange how much publicity this Barbie movie is getting. They are pushing this movie hard. And so immediately I'm thinking, oh, why are they pushing this movie so hard? Like, what about this movie is something that they really, really want you to see? So I started looking into it, and I started watching some people who have already seen the, the pre-screenings of it. And it is very concerning. It turns out the Barbie movie is not good. So the long story short, if you just want the, the five-second review, don't take your daughters. And if you want to know why, stay tuned, because I'm going to tell you. And according to, there's this uh, Protestant, which this is another sad thing. There's not a lot of good Catholic movie reviews out there. But here's from a this Protestant movie reviewer who came out and said, The new Barbie movie forgets its core audience of families and children while catering to nostalgic adults and pushing lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender character stories. However, early screenings of Barbie based on Mattel's iconic doll revealed that the movie has a strong pro-feminist slant with a character played by a trans actor Hari Neff, a man who identifies as a woman. Movie Guide previously reported, quote, they had a built-in market and audience for this franchise and they completely ignored. Millions of families would have turned out to the theaters and purchased tickets. But instead, Mattel chose to cater to a small percentage of the population who has proven over and over to abandon the box office. Movie Guide's 40 years of research indicates that it just isn't true, and Mattel has made a grievous mistake. So this is very concerning. Of course, they're pushing trans ideology, lesbian ideology, gay ideology. They have, they have feminist ideology, anti-man ideology, all shoved into this movie just to market to your daughters. Very concerning. Now, I was, uh, brought, to, it was uh, brought to my attention this clip from um, that they posted about a song that they're putting into the movie about Ken. Now, everybody knows Ken, Barbie and Ken. And this very, very concerning to me 
considering that uh, of how inappropriate this song is and the message it sends. So we're going to play the audio, but we're not going to play the video because the video is not appropriate, and I just can't can't show it to you. Um, I don't in good conscience. If you want to go see it, uh, look it up, and you can find it easily. Uh, but I don't want to share the uh, the actual footage itself. But we'll play the audio for a second here. I just don't know who I am without you. You're Ken. But it's Barbie and Ken. There is no just Ken. Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried. Oh, oh, I, I have feelings that I can't explain. Driving me insane. All my life been so polite. Cause I'm just kidding. Anywhere else I'd be. Is it my destiny? Okay, we'll cut it down. The uh, so this is uh is very concerning because one it shows like okay um, women don't need men and this is kind of the mentality of the movie. In fact, the one of the scenes in the movie apparently has uh, the people show up in Barbie Land and the, uh, the the women all talk about how they got rid of the men there and everything is so much better now. They got no men, no problems, and these kind of uh, this is very echoing. The uh, the feminist mantra of a a woman needs a man like a man needs a bi- or like a fish needs a bicycle, uh, yeah yeah exactly it's, it's it's very hilarious and the the other thing is it rejects this idea of um, of politeness of goodness it's, it it raises Ken as the ideal man and the simp who is just desiring after her after desiring after Barbie and it shows how he is just like. Oh, he's depressed and like this, and it's so bad. He says, I've been so polite. And it's saying, Oh, but it shows why is he being polite? Why is he being a good guy? Not because he's a good guy, it's because he wants to get with Barbie. He's not actually just a good person. So he's like, I've been so polite. I've been like, it's kind of like the classic nice guy. I've been so nice. Why don't I get something in, in response for that? It's like, because you don't deserve it. Where's my hug? Where's my hug? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's like, no, you are a good person. You are a virtuous person because virtue is good, not because you get something out of it. And this is the idea that it's showing. And so what happens in the movie? Well, apparently Ken is the villain of the movie. (laughs) And he is just annoying Barbie the whole movie. And Barbie is trying to get away from him. Hmm. And I'm just thinking, (laughs) this is absurd. So I start looking into Barbie because I don't really know anything about Barbie. And I was like, okay, so... There's a deep Barbie lore. Exactly. So apparently there is. (laughs) 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 Apparently there is. And I was thinking, okay, so is Barbie... So they're corrupting Barbie. They're ruining Barbie, right? Was it? Nope. It's always always been bad. It's always been bad. Exactly. From the beginning. And I was thinking, okay, this is crazy. So I looked into it. The founder of it made it specifically as a uh, girl boss to try to push Mm. the feminist movement. Like, oh, Barbie can be anything. She can be an astronaut, a president, a this, a that, trying to push women. This is like in the 50s, um, pushing this idea of feminism early, early on. And then what do we see? In 1961, they brought in her boyfriend, Ken. And in 1962, what happens? The pair moved into their very own dream house. Mm. They're living together. The boyfriend and girlfriend, unmarried, living together. And in the clip that I didn't want to show the video of, 
Ken is shirtless and he's sleep and he's in Barbie's bed when Barbie's not there and he starts singing a song. This sounds like something out of California. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like the <laughs> classic Malibu culture, right? And it's so bad. It's so bad. And this is the idea that they're trying to push on our daughters. Okay. They're trying to show this and say this is a normal relationship. Listen, I have a two year old daughter. Okay, and her birthday's coming up. I thought it was tomorrow, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shattered because everything that we do, everything, she's watching, she's observing. So if you're thinking about taking your kids to something like this, it's of course, it looks fun on the surface. You're looking at the trailers. Wow, that's cool. Barbie. I grew up with Barbie. I didn't know anything about you know, the, the lore, the back lore, or anything like that about it. I just thought it was fun. It's dolls, you know, like I'm going to take my kids there. Look. Your kids are so impressionable. And I know this from experience. Two-year-old daughter, she observes everything that we do. I would be very cautious taking your kids to see a movie like this because kids are so impressionable that they're going to pick something up about this movie. Maybe it's even something as, uh, you know, as unacceptable as maybe getting together with somebody without being married. If this is something that they're showing your kids in the movie, this is definitely something to avoid. Not to mention the sexualization of our daughters. Like, yeah. why does why do young girls need to see shirtless men with abs? Yeah, like that's uh, obviously they're first of all they're sexualizing men, which is what they complain that men are doing to women. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is, why do little girls need to see shirtless Ken in Barbie's bed? That is very very yeah. disturbing. Now it's interesting though, because in 1962 the pair move in together. In 24 in 2004. There was a massive uh, Barbie celebrity uh, breakup where Barbie and Ken move, uh, break up and Ken moves out of Barbie's dream house. Hmm. And it's like, oh, well, the house always belonged to Barbie. So Ken received nothing and Barbie <laughs> kept everything. And it's like, but they were just dating. And this is like, it's kind of funny because How it shows you that at that time. It's really crazy. But as of 2023, no yeah, no kids. Uh, as of 2023, though, they have had a transgender Barbie. They've mm. had a drag Barbie. They've mm. had a sorceress Barbie, which I didn't wow. even recognize. I didn't know that happened. And many, many other things. And so it's very clear that they are attacking. They're attacking the norms. Now, if you're still not convinced, here are some things from the movie that this uh, this Christian, this Protestant uh, movie review had pointed out. They said here. That they have uh, little girls are smack their baby dolls in the movie and say, girls don't have to be mothers anymore. Wow. Another thing here is that another attack on the patriarchy, a Barbieville is good because they remove the men and the women are now in charge. And if you remove the men, you get rid of the problems. Another thing is Ken is the villain and Barbie hates Ken in the movie. A Barbie's Simulu says that the movie will be a final nail for gender based norms. I was like, there you go, folks. That's there ambitious. You go. <laughs> right. It's obviously not true. <laughs> they, they will never succeed in doing that. But that's obviously their stated goal. And, the, uh, and here's the last thing. Here's the last thing on this issue. And there's much more that could be said. But here's the last thing in this issue. Neff, if you remember, Neff is the man who identifies as a woman who is one of the characters in the movie. Um, I don't know if that's his real name or not. But he is playing a woman in this movie. There's a transgender actor in this movie, just trying to make that clear. And this man, he said, quote, it's candy with a little poison, and that's what I like, end mm. quote. He says the quiet part out loud. 
whenever your enemy tells you what they're going to do, maybe you should believe them. It's a little candy with a, with a candy with a little poison. Now, I make this point all the time. If you have a cake and someone says, I just put like 1% arsenic in the cake, and it's no big deal, and they hand you the cake, would you eat it? Would you eat it? I wouldn't. If they hand you a glass of water and like, there's a little bit of, there's like 1% arsenic in there, uh, would you drink the water? Would you drink the water? If you have a movie that is sunshine and rainbows and candy and cotton candy, it's a delicious movie, but it, uh, lace it with poison though. Are you going to give that to your kids? They're telling you this movie is poison. They're te- literally telling you. No, you don't man. have to listen to me. Listen to the people that are doing the movie. They're telling you this movie is poison. Now, are you going to go watch it? Are you going to support it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, God despises the proud. And these these people are so proud about what they do. They put it out there. They just, as you said, right in your face. They They say the quiet thing out loud. God despises the proud. And what have we seen recently? Money really talks. So you vote with your feet. So make sure that you avoid this movie and show them how brazen and how foolish they are. Take your your kids elsewhere, maybe not even to the movies. I can't imagine taking my kids to the movies these days. But vote with your feet and let this movie tank, kind of like Star Wars did. There you go. Yeah. The more that we have these things, the more we can vote with our, our feet. And I think that's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to show people that we are fed up with Hollywood culture. We're done with it. The Malibu we culture. Hates it. We hates it. <laughs> <laughs> and no more. No mas. No mas. So let's stand up and defend our children and defend the sexualization of our children. We don't want that happening. No more. God's children are not for sale. And neither are these tickets either. We'll be right back with more after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no comment needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass, that's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio, because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and uh, here's some more breaking news and headlines for you. Catholic Vote reports Biden forgives another $39 billion worth of student debt. I hope that I'm part of this here. I'm not going to lie. 
The U.S. Department of Education announced in a press release Friday that more than 800,000 Americans will be automatically forgiven their $39 billion worth of student loan debt in the next few weeks. The new debt forgiveness plan follows weeks after the Supreme Court rejected Biden's more expensive forgiveness plan, which was ruled as illegal under federal law. The Blaze reports, real-life Batman? San Francisco business owner dons dark disguise and patrols streets with fake guns to scare off thieves who brazenly break into cars. A San Francisco business owner who's lived in the city for over 20 years has taken it upon himself to dress in a dark disguise and carry a fake gun as he patrols the streets around Fisherman's Wharf. His goal? To stem the tide of rampant thefts from vehicles. More than 20,000 such thefts were reported last year. The mysterious fellow said he battles back by spotting crooks in the act and scaring them away. Maybe maybe uh, more people will move back to California after this. And Catholic News Agency reports the Vatican grants plenary indulgence for St. Thomas Aquinas Jubilee celebrations. Adrian's ears just perked up if you haven't, if you haven't noticed that. The Vatican is granting a plenary indulgence to anyone who participates in the two years of Jubilee celebrations of St. Thomas Aquinas leading up to the 800th anniversary of his birth. Beginning with the 700th anniversary of Aquinas' canonization on July 18th, the Dominican Order is celebrating three significant anniversaries of the Angelic Doctor during the Jubilee. The indulgence can be obtained by making a pilgrimage to a holy site connected to the Dominican Order to either take part in the Jubilee celebrations or at least devote a suitable time to pious recollection, including by praying the Lord's Prayer, reciting the Creed, and invoking the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Thomas Aquinas. Sounds easy, right? Well, the actual, the usual conditions for plenary indulgences require the individual to be in a state of grace, have complete detachment from sin, which is the hardest one, and pray for the Pope's intentions. And lastly, you all know I love a treasure story. This one is from Zero Hedge. The most insane thing ever, says a man who found a huge hoard of Civil War gold on a Kentucky farm. A Kentucky man has unearthed an astounding cache of Civil War-era gold coins from a cornfield on his farm. Among the hundreds of, of the coins are a type that was sold at auction for more than $100,000 a piece, and there's about 18 of them. While the extraordinary lucky man's identity and the location of his property are still under wraps, he has, uh, he has uh, employed somebody to come and certify all of the gold here, and this numismatic legend is now known as the Great Kentucky Hoard. Those are all your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Back to you, Adrian. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I love the story about Aquinas. I mean, it's uh, something good out of, of Rome. Of course you do. Something good out of, of Rome. Of course you love it. Praise be to God. You know, the, we loves it. Oh, we loves it. We loves it. <laughs> we loves Aquinas take, here. Can take the uh, the the boy out of California. Can't take the California yeah, out of the boy. Yeah, it's very hard. Um, but no, the uh, it's it's good though. I, that's actually very good news. Hopefully, this causes a resurgence and in interest in Thomas, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this responds. I would, I would be like, there's like a million schools named for Saint Thomas Aquinas. I wonder if any of them are going to be like, oh, we're going to. We're going to have a read the Summa in two years program. That would be cool. <laughs> so uh, where can people go here in the United States that's attached to the Dominican order? And the United States, I mean, there's, I mean, any parish, right? Any parish would be an attachment there. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any pilgrimage sites? Not that I know of. I don't mm -hmm. think there's any pilgrimage sites. Uh, if you want to go to a big hub, um, Providence College mm. is run by the Dominicans there. There's a lot of Dominicans at present. Um, the Providence, Dominican House Rhode of Rhode Island? Yes, Pro Rhode Providence, Island. Rhode Island. Mm. And uh, Dominican Road Council trip. Studies in D.C., maybe that's the place to go. <laughs> that place is that so one. nice. It's so beautiful. I love the Dominican Council Studies in D.C. 
Uh, now I'm going to sidetrack. This is a uh, this is not good. This is not good. I could talk about this the rest <laughs> oh, of the day. No. We're we're have to get back on pace. We have to get back on pace. The U.S. strategic oil reserve depleted under Biden won't be refilled during his first term, as reported by Tim Cast News. Very concerning. The Biden administration depleted the U.S. strategic petroleum reserve (SPR) by emptying 180 million barrels, resulting in the lowest level in almost 40 years. The oil reserves were intended to address rising gas prices uh, attributed to the war in Ukraine. However, concerns were raised about the sales, including the export of American oil to foreign entities such as China's Sinopec. Lawmakers are criticized the sales as potentially illegal and against the purpose of the SPR, which is provided petroleum products during national emergencies. Plans to refill the SPR have been initiated, but the Biden administration, I can't speak, now admits that it is unlikely to fully replenish during his first term. The Energy Department aims at securing 6.3 million barrels by November 2023, and but at a significantly higher price compared to the Trump administration. Here's the other concerning thing. Guess who made money off this deal? Do, 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 Adrian Fonseca. Do, I made millions. No, He's I in wish. The money. I wish. No, they actually, at least one million barrels were sold to Unipec, a trading subsidiary of Sinopec, a state-owned Chinese gas company in which Hunter Biden's private equity firm held $1.7 billion in stake. Hmm. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. That a organization tied to Hunter Biden the was sold billions of oil. Yikes. Very, very concerning situation. Um, I guess we can expect, since we have depleted the oil reserves, and that's been what's keeping the gas prices down since that's gone, I guess we can start expecting gas prices to go up. Now, are you sure this is a bad thing, Adrian? Because one of our, our listeners here, Brooks Durham, who listens to us on YouTube, which you could do, by the way, he says maybe they took their vows of poverty a little too seriously. Ah, uh, you know what? Secretly, Joe Biden is actually just a good Catholic. Maybe. And he just wants everybody to take a vow of poverty. It's true. He says penance, penance, penance. Yes, he's saying um, vow of poverty voluntarily? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a mandatory vow of poverty. <laughs> no, I mean, yikes. <laughs> maybe the World Economic Forum, they're just Catholic. They're just Catholic. Oh. Imagine, imagine. Wow. No, the yeah, that's a very, very concerning situation. We should definitely keep our eyes on the gas prices and see how they're gonna they're gonna rise. I don't know even know how do you uh, what kind of solution you make for that kind of thing. Get a bike and ride forty miles to work, I guess. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, if you live in major cities, I would not people do that drive. Yeah, I, exactly. I think I would die. You would die. Somebody you would, would die. run me Someone over. Someone would run you over. It's not. There's it's no, not safe. Yeah, you I would have to. I would miles. have to go and get spandex. Get a road bike, carbon, carbon and nobody fiber, wants to see that. <laughs> shave my legs every morning. Yeah, we be don't more want to see aerodynamic. That. No, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. So here's another concerning story. Notre Dame professor is sued student newspaper for exposing her pro-abortion activism. This is reported by LifeSite News. It's actually a very lengthy article. Check out the whole article, article on LifeSite News. University of Notre Dame sociology professor Tamira K is suing the university student newspaper, the Irish Rover, over its coverage of her pro-abortion activism. Kay has written numerous articles on abortion-related subjects and has been involved in promoting abortion. 
The rover published articles detailing Kay's activities, including a photo of her office door with a sign offering help and information on health care issues, as well as a letter J symbolizing unofficial assistance in accessing abortion pills. Kay has also offered to assist with abortion costs and shared abortion travel financing information on social media. Kay filed a defamation complaint against the rover, claiming false and defamatory reporting. The rover responded, calling the lawsuit baseless and asserting that their reporting was fair and accurate. The university's commitment to Catholic principles has been called into doubt due to past violations, including promoting pro-abortion articles and inviting pro-abortion speakers. It's also interesting that she, in the article, she mentioned that she actually had talked to Notre Dame about her activities, and they said it was fine because they said they're not directly tied with the university. Why is a Catholic university hiring pro-abortion professors? Not just people who hold privately pro-abortion opinions, which would be bad enough, but pro-abortion activists. Yeah. Very concerning. Is that a Catholic way to do things? Well, this would be a question to ask our, our good friend E. Michael Jones. You know, he actually got fired from Notre Dame because of his staunch position against abortion. This was years and years ago. So that's kind of what set off his own career, actually. That's what he, he credits it. Yeah, it's very concerning to see Notre Dame is just hasn't been a Catholic university in a very long time. And it's very concerning whenever you see these kind of things happening because we are not, as Catholics, we cannot be tolerant of evil. We cannot be tolerant of the bad of bad things. We have to reject it, especially at Catholic places. In the culture, we can have some tolerance. We can have some tolerance. We can't have freedom, but we can have tolerance. But in the Catholic Church, in our institutions, there can be no tolerance. Imagine what the past saints would say to this. Imagine what Pius X would say to this when he had all of the professors at Catholic universities signed an oath against modernism, had a sign an oath of fidelity to the Catholic faith. Should we bring that back? I think we might. Should. I think it's a good idea because right now we have so many people who pretend to be Catholic at our universities, shaping our kids. And how many adults, how many parents are sending money to these Catholic universities and sending your kids to these Catholic universities thinking they're going to come back Catholic and yet they come back as complete modernists. Yikes. More when we come back after this short break. You won't want to miss what's next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. Secondly, the New Testament. In Acts 7 and Romans 9, we see the term father being used referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs. And my take, isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, it's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole. His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines. Jesus was once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due. Next time you see your pastor, just say, hey, preacher, it just seems so lacking. Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, 
Joyful and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. A lot of very concerning situations going on all across the world. Uh, but I want to take a short break from all the bad news and let's talk about some good news. Huh. Imagine that. There's no such thing. There's no such thing? Well, it's actually from your neck of the woods. And I think you mentioned no. this a second ago. You mentioned this in one of your news breaks. Crime is down in this California city. The police chief says more cops are to thank. Imagine that. Hmm. Having more cops lowers crime. What city is this? Well, I'm about to tell you. Uh, Crime may be a persistent issue across California, but residents in one city are enjoying a dip in criminal activity across multiple categories. And the police chief says he has an answer for why. Fresno has been its oh, crime rate on. drop dramatically this year. You're like, ah, Fresno. What's that's a cow Fresno? town, bro? Well, that's good. It's good. It's got to start somewhere. I mean, LA is not going to start uh, implementing more more police. So maybe you got to start with uh, someone has to show that the solution is the exact opposite of what everyone else says it is. Hmm. And he's doing a good job. Murders have dropped from 44%. 44% in a cow town, you're telling me? You're telling me Fresno is a cow town? There's 44% murders? <laughs> like, what? Has dropped 44% from 34 to 19 murders from January 1st to Jan- July 11th this year. What? 34 to 19 murders from January 11th to July 11th? January 1st to July 11th? I laugh, but it's only laugh because you if you don't, you're going to cry. He's compared to this same period last year. According to Fresno police data, shootings are down 11%. Rapes are down 20%. Robberies are down 11%. Commercial burglaries are down 46%. Residential burglaries are down 29%. And vehicle thefts are down nearly 26%, according to police. Fresno Police Chief Paco Balderrama told Tad Weber of the Fresno Bee that the reason for the crime drop is simple. Staffing. The city has a record number of police officers in the field this year. The police department is currently authorized by the city council to have 900 officers and 860 of those positions were filled as of July 7th, according to police chief. There's a lot of misconceptions going around the county saying that more cops does not mean a safer city. This is not true. Since we have added our crime rate has been significantly reduced. We can focus on certain violent groups do more outreach, be on the beats, more people call us and give us information we can use to solve crimes. So, all right, Rudy, is it time to go back to California now? I think I'm going to move to Fresno. You're going to move to Fresno? <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures of Fresno here on, on Google, and uh-huh. they look kind of lovely, you know. It's Where is Fresno in relation to uh, the other cities? Fresno is north of Los Angeles. Uh, it's a little bit further north uh, than uh, Bakersfield. Do you know where Bakersfield is? Uh, no, but I will uh, just nod and say yes. It's kind of like the middle of California. Like, almost the middle. Hmm. Almost the middle. Sacramento, almost, yeah. I think, technically is closer to the middle, but 
yeah, it's it's yeah. Well, now we have a game plan, and now we just got to convince L.A., San Francisco, San Diego, um, all these other cities to to take up this um, this idea here because violent crime is actually up six point one percent since twenty twenty one. Property crime is up six point two percent. Robberies are up ten point two percent. Although murder has dropped slightly hmm. in California. So now I wonder how much of the statistic is in relation to them loosening up the ability for you to get a concealed carry permit because up until I think two years ago or one year ago, I, I'm losing track of time, um, you weren't able to get a concealed carry license unless you had something called due cause or good cause. And so you'd have to submit your paperwork. And if you were in an area that was like completely super liberal and blue, which there are places that believe it or not are not like that in California, but if you submitted your paperwork and you did not have good cause, they would automatically deny it. And, and it was almost a, a fool's errand unless you knew the sheriff or, you know, or mm. maybe you were a, a, a law enforcement officer or something like that. You would never get a concealed carry permit really? in California. Now, because of the Supreme Court ruling, which uh, was in a completely different state, uh, that affected California. And now you're able to just get your concealed carry permit without actually having to provide what's called a good cause. So. I wonder if maybe some of that is uh, is seeping into California, especially these these more conservative areas. I'm not saying Fresno is more conservative; it might be, but uh, you know, it tends to be that the cities are a lot more liberal. But these yeah. areas surrounding, because I said Cowtown, you know, it is surrounded by some other regions here that are are not not really liberal. At least I see. Yeah, I see. Well, the further sense. north you go, the less liberal it seems sometimes. So. Well, it certainly seems as though all the ideas of the left. Be uh, wrong, and people will say like, so "Oh, true, well, King. <laughs> <laughs> are wrong because you say, oh, but look, the the red states have a uh, high crime rates too.' But then you focus in on the details, and it's always the blue cities yeah. that do that make the statistics look that way. So, for instance, most of the crime in Texas is Houston, it's Houston, Dallas, <laughs> Austin, San Antonio. That. And actually, a lot of it is Houston. Houston is not the safest city, to be honest. Yeah. I, I never feel safe here, city. by the way. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. These these blue cities are what's uh, encouraging all, a lot of these problems in these red states. And now it's kind of seeming the same way in places like California. The San Francisco, I mean, they have up 10% in murders to 22 murders so far. Robberies are up 15% to 1,150 robberies. Which, remember, is different from theft. Robberies tend to be something where it's like confronting a person. So someone has life's in danger, essentially. Car thefts are up 5% to 2,889 car thefts in San Francisco. Now, the in L.A., there's some good news and bad news. Most types of crimes are down except theft, which is nearly up 15% since last year. And the homeless crisis in L.A. has gone up by 10% in L.A. this year. So... There's some good news and bad news out of L.A. It's mostly pretty much nothing but bad news in San Francisco. Uh, I don't know why anybody want to live in San Francisco, but uh, it's very, very concerning in California. But it's good news because these other small cities in California showing positivity, I think, tells us that there is a solution to these problems. And it's not more leftism. In fact, it's actually get this because it's kind of crazy idea. Enforcing the laws. What? Yeah, I know. Crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. What a um, novel idea. If you if you punish criminals, <laughs> no, you that'll and never you, work. And let's say instead of releasing criminals back out into the streets, you keep them in prison. 
What? You actually lower crime. Huh. Novel idea. I know. I know. So going on to this story, speaking of staying on the uh, California train, uh, Epic Times reports billionaire warns Hollywood faces absolute collapse. Um, I don't know if I should be upset or applaud this if strike isn't resolved. Billionaire media mogul Barry Diller warns that the ongoing strikes of the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild could have devastating effects on the industry if a deal is not reached soon. Diller calls for a settlement deadline of September 1st and expresses concern about the potential collapse of the entire industry. He highlights the lack of trust between the parties and the existential issues surrounding the rise of artificial intelligence. He believes that AI will assist rather than replace writers. He also addresses the dispute over executive pay, noting that both actors and media executives are likely overpaid. The strikes have already halted the television production and led to shooting shutdowns of major films such as Deadpool 3 and the next Mission Impossible installment. Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass emphasizes the importance of reaching an agreement, stating that the entire entertainment industry is at a historic inflection point. Mm. I'm kind of rooting for the uh, the, the the unions now. <laughs> Saying, shut it down, shut it down. It's funny as I was watching this YouTube channel the other day, and I, I typically don't watch film channels, but there's one called The Critical Drinker, and I don't know if it's appropriate or not, so I'm not going to say go see it, but he talks about how movies, these huge blockbuster movies as we know them, the superhero movies and those sorts of things, they're completely collapsing. People aren't interested in them anymore. They're banal. The stories, they're not there. You know, It's just completely... A waste of money. He talks about how much money you have to invest in marketing and all of these other materials to make these uh, movies successful to even turn a profit. And I'm thinking now, I'm like, wait a minute, wouldn't it be just Hollywood for them to come up with this writer's crisis for them to resolve that and say, okay, well, we're so bloated. We're going to stop doing, we're not going to be able to do those movies anymore. We're going to move something else. We're going to, we're going to do indie stuff now because we don't have writers and all this stuff. What if it's a manufactured mm. thing? You mean the writers are writing a narrative? Yes. Uh, interesting. Yes. Very interesting. They're writing themselves out of a problem. Well, it's very possible because it's, it really does seem like it. Like look at Sound of Freedom, for instance. Sound of Freedom huge they are predicting it's going to hit a hundred million dollars in sales it was a 15 million dollar movie and they're going to make a hundred million dollars in receiving a media blackout and it's making this much money and yet nobody wants to watch these garbage movies these garbage movies as people are not showing out in droves to see them it's very very concerning for hollywood but i see this as a very good thing this is a perfect opportunity for groups like angel studios to come in and swoop in and take the market. And I think that we need, I mean, if you're a Catholic filmmaker, if you're a Catholic producer, writer, whatever, now's the time. It's time to jump in there because people are dying. I I can't, I love movies. I love movies. I have not seen a good movie in a long time. I went to The Sound of Freedom was the last good movie I've seen in a long time. I haven't been to the theater in four years. Really? Yes. Wow. I haven't seen a movie that that just completely blew me away or caught my interest for me to want to go to the theater. And you that's not just because I have kids. Uh, you should see it in theaters. It's I'm still good. on the fence about that movie. You should see it in theaters. I, it's really good. I don't think I'm emotionally capable of watching that. Oh movie. well, if you uh, if you change your mind, that yeah. movie is worth seeing in the theaters because it actually like it's not even just a good message, it's which on it my is. List. And it's also PG thirteen. It shows nothing gruesome, nothing bad. 
Um, it implies things, but it's uh, it's all PG-13. They did a very good job. And here's another good thing. They said that the uh, the entire time they made sure that the kids had no idea what they were filming. Wow. And so the kids good. don't know that they're pretending to be sexually abused. They don't know any of that. And they made sure that they were unaware of all of the different uh, horrendous things that they're talking about in the movies. That's good. Uh, so it's uh, it's overall, I mean, these it's good people making good movies. And yet the movie was still amazing. And I would just draw drop by the quality. It's like an action thriller, but also a suspense a movie. It's kind of like a has heist elements to it. It's so good. It's so good. And before that, I haven't seen anything good. I even saw um, The Flash because some friends of mine wanted to see it. I, was, I wasn't going to watch it, but some friends of mine wanted to go see it, and they invited me, and I was like, all right, I'll come see it with y'all. Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> not only is it woke, which is just every movie is woke, so you just kind of mentally prepare yourself for that. It also was just trash. The, mu- the movie made no sense. It had no consistency within itself. The writing was garbage. I just assumed that they were already just having AI write all the scripts from now on. And apparently they're not. But uh, yeah, AI it's, it's might be better than what these guys come up it's with. Really it's really honestly true. It's yeah. honestly true. It's mostly garbage. And uh, it's very concerning. And speaking of mostly garbage, coming up next, we're going to have Duncan Stroik on to talk about classical architecture opposed to uh, a lot of the garbage art we see today. So we're going to talk about that coming up next classical architecture in our churches in our government buildings how about our houses even all this coming up in just one moment we'll be right back god bless you god love you and we'll see you very soon Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at catholicscomehome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. 
the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Noah from St. Edward Catholic Church in Spring. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you. You know, it's really interesting. Everywhere we look, there's like a cult of ugliness throughout the world. And nobody likes what is ugly. But the problem is, it surrounds us. There's ugliness everywhere we go. And it's to the point where it's become we become desensitized to it where we see ugly things and we it's just like our lord said they call good evil and evil good and yet we're here saying uh, ugly is beautiful and beautiful is ugly and people are like oh, i don't really like traditional architecture i'm more of a modern person i like the modern art and it goes for churches for homes for government buildings it's across the board and it's very very exhausting but the problem is it's very difficult for your average person to articulate why is it that these arch- this architecture is good and this architecture is bad. People will say, well, it's just your opinion. You like, I like this one more. You like that one more. It's just your opinion. And it's very difficult for us to try to articulate why classical architecture is better and is actually more objectively beautiful than modern architecture. And so I invited Duncan Stroik on with us, who is a architect who's done many projects across America. Um, one in our neck of the woods in Houston, he did uh, the renovation for the uh, St. Teresa's in Sugarland, Texas, but he's also done many projects all across America. Uh, you should definitely check out his website and uh, see a lot of the architecture that he's done. Uh, but good morning to you, Mr. Stroik. Hey, good morning. Great to be here. Absolutely. It's good to have you on. Now, it's very interesting, this whole situation with the modern architecture, and many people struggle to articulate why we should prefer classical architecture. So give us a a rundown here. Uh, What is classical architecture, and why should people learn to love it? So classical architecture is the great tradition. And it comprises three things. It covers the architecture that that reflect these three things, uh, firmness or durability, uh, convenience, and beauty. So if you have a building that is built to last, is convenient, or it's made for human use, and it's beautiful, it's reflecting the classical tradition. And uh, that's what we're trying to revive. Now it's interesting you you say that the uh, but one part of your definition is uh, is it is it beautiful, but people will say that these these modern houses that are just white cubes but they're all there's huge sections of all glass and they're like oh but it's it's beautiful it's it's a beautiful house, I see that and I'm like yikes it's not beautiful and so how do you say someone that someone says well I guess this modern house is classical then, right. Uh, that's a good point. Um, people will differ in what they like or what they think is okay. 
Um, specifically, the, the classical tradition does derive from our ancient tradition, and it shows both tradition and development. And so we look back to the classics, to Greece and Rome, to early Christian architecture, to the medieval, <clears throat> to the Renaissance and the Baroque. So it's the architecture really of the great tradition rather than the architecture of um, modernity, which is, <clears throat> which is about the machine. You know, it's very interesting. The I was looking at your um, on your profile here, stroik.com, and the and there you have a couple houses that you worked on, and there's a traditional residence, and then there's a, the villa in Indiana. And tell me about these particular houses because you know usually when we talk about beautiful architecture, immediately everyone wants to talk about the Catholic churches, which I am all for talking about. But I think more fundamentally, we need to approach this even in our houses. And I think these houses are very beautiful. So tell me about why you designed these houses the way you did. Well, I'm really interested in doing uh, houses that are, at the one hand, classic. On the other hand, innovative in a classical way, not in a shocking way. And so I'm particularly interested in the work of the Renaissance, the Italian Renaissance, and the Venetian villa. And the Venetian villa is a wonderful early um, house, large usually, that is beautiful, um, decorous, uh, but was also on a farm. So it's really a, a farmhouse, a grand farmhouse. And the thing I really love about it is that the focus of the interior is not the stair hall, as we find in a lot of two-story American homes, but it's a grand hall, a double height space, almost like a little, you come in and there's like a little oratory. And um, so that's really the, the Italian villa type that I'm interested in and I've explored now with a couple of houses, one with a barrel vault, one with a, a regular room, and now I'm doing one with an octagonal room. So putting a, a kind of almost like a civic building you'd expect to have a grand space in a courthouse or a city hall. Now, my friend Sean actually just traveled to Italy and spent um, a second, two, three weeks there or something like that uh, for his honeymoon. And he came back and he was telling me, Adrian, after seeing all that, I just want my house to look like these churches and i'm like how do i how do i do this when we see these beautiful things it attracts us and makes us want this more and so what would you tell someone who is just like i i need my home to be beautiful what can i do to make it beautiful well you know he's right to say i love these churches so much i'd love my house to reflect some of that because the idea of classical architecture is that everything derives from the temple the temple is the highest form, the place of worship of God. And so the great architecture is the temple and our courthouses and our libraries and our university buildings reflect that. But in a small way, even our houses or private residences can reflect that in some way, um, that, uh, that this is the highest form of architecture. And in a maybe in an indirect way, we're also saying that the worship of God is important to us as well. Hmm. 
Mr. Stroik, uh, this is Rudy Carlos. Uh, fascinating conversation. You know, I want to go back to something you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I want to get your take on the temporal versus permanence when it comes to designing homes, when it comes to designing a place of worship like a, a church. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the difference there? And was there a correlation between uh, between the the temporal with like things like the rise of atheism or maybe after the revolution that we started to see that these buildings start becoming a little bit less permanent and more seeming of the time? Well, that's a good point, actually, because the idea of uh, durability is the idea of permanence. And when we, you could say, when we had to build buildings more permanently, we built them better, uh, not only in their construction, but in their aesthetic. And as we care about longevity, we care, we start caring more about beauty. But it's true, we are a very modern culture, the whole world is, but especially the US, and we're all about um, what's efficient and effective and what works for me as opposed to thinking about a legacy, thinking about these buildings as a legacy that we hand down to our children or even to other people, that we're doing something that is magnificent and that is permanent for the future. And as we start thinking about that, now the downside is we have to think more about uh, durability and permanence rather than um, quantity or materialism. It's less about having all the stuff, but having maybe a smaller house that's better built than a bigger house that's poorly built and getting away from this throwaway culture that we, you know, you can understand it with a car or a washing machine or some other things, but our buildings should be uh, thought of as permanent to last for 100, 200 years to for their community, for our families. And uh, ultimately that will help us go back to beauty because as long as we're in a throwaway culture, uh, I built this house. It'll be there for 10, 20, 30 years. Who cares? You know, you know, that's a very interesting point about permanence, because I'm thinking, OK, you're going to have a house for you're saying 100, 200 years. You would like it to stay there and be there. Then what about the idea of fads, these fads and architecture that come and go? How can you have a house that lasts 200 years if it's if it's dated by its its structural style, whereas these classical things seem to be more permanent, seem to have more long-lasting love and, and beauty. That's an excellent point. Now, it's it's normal to human nature to want to, uh, to change and to have the latest style and so on, and we do that with our clothing and our, uh, you know, uh, our summer wear or tennis shoes. Uh, but the problem is our buildings are expensive. Um, they affect us, and so they should be thought more in a more timeless way. It doesn't mean you can't redo your bathroom or add on to your house or fix up your kitchen, you know, that's kind of, or repaint the walls. It's totally normal. But yeah, the classical view would be to create something that is certainly of its time, but the goal is more that it's timeless. And so even if fads go in and make that building go in and out of style, it'll still remain as something really classic. And that's our hope, that's our goal. Um, and the danger is, you know, the next generation will say, oh, that's so out of style, we'll tear it down. But modernism is the ultimate in fads because they just change every five or 10 years. So the buildings, you build a building and five years later, it's already out of style. So that's not the classical view at all.
Now, let's uh, take a short twist over here and talk about the uh, churches for a second. Let's use uh, Notre Dame as a, a case study here in terms of what makes a church beautiful and <laughs> what makes a church ugly and talking about the uh, potential, the discussion about what they're going to do with Notre Dame Cathedral. Tell me about this. Well, that's a great point. The uh, terrible uh, fire uh, that we don't know how it started at Notre Dame in Paris 2019 uh, led the president, Macron, and many uh, le led uh, modern architects to get really excited to add some uh, elements to this great and venerable building. And, you know, uh, a spire out of glass, uh, something out of titanium, something that didn't really fit, something that was an expression of, of, they said, of today, but it's really an expression, a personal expression. And the great Gothic cathedral is not a personal expression of the original architect or the architects later, but it is something bigger than that expression of faith, expression of the community. And so fortunately, in spite of all the architects wanting to add on, I would say even wreck this uh, great masterpiece, the people of, of Paris and of France said, no, we want it to be rebuilt exactly what it was. This is a classic, rebuild it. And fortunately, Macron and other people uh, listened to them. And that's what they're doing right now. They're trying to rebuild Notre Dame, the roof and the spire, uh, as close to the way it was before it burned down. And that's very exciting. Yes, I'm very excited about that. The The sad thing, though, I don't know if you saw uh, the potential altar they want to put in instead. And it is um, saddeningly simple, but uh, I don't think, uh, have you seen that? Well, this is a good point that at the same time that the people spoke up and said, no, we don't want a modernist um, uh uh, a, a roof on our building. We don't want a swimming pool. We don't want you to get rid of the uh, stonework and the gargoyles and the beautiful uh, crockets and spires. Uh, at the same time, the archdiocese under the previous bishop said, well, but, you know, we're going to redo the interior in some subtle ways and we're just going to uh, be more experimental. So it's very strange that the church would take a different tack then the government, which is a secular, almost you could say, if not neutral, almost anti-religious uh, uh, government, that the church is um, is doing what the modern architects want to do in the areas that they can, which are the altars and some of the side chapels and so on. It's very sad. That is very sad. There have been uh, a number of letters written to the public and to the archdiocese by uh french intellectuals decrying this mm. so there has been an outcry but it's not as noticeable as putting a you know a, a um a restaurant on the roof of notre dame it's not <laughs> as shocking yeah. to the common person praise be god but i think that. uh unfortunately it is it is a disrespect for what's there and a disrespect for the building amen amen uh we are out of time mr stroik check out his website stroik.com I, I may have to reach out to him whenever i want to build my house but god bless you god love you mr stroik thank you so much and that's day. to do it we're going into fear and trembling after this
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. feel like life is just too busy, too much. Constant noise, social and traffic, work, paint, bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call. 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller. So if you want to be on, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. You may be asking, uh, on for for what exactly? Well, I'm glad you asked. You're listening to the Fear and Trembling Game Show, and here we give out prizes, and you could win. How does the game work? How do you play? How do you win? Well, it's very simple. First, you got to call in eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Second, what you got to do? is you have to let play the game. And I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And here's the trick to the questions. I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, in fact, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. And he's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds on the clock to give me your answer. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? If you're looking, wow! if you're watching us online on YouTube, Rumble, or any social media platform that we stream to, you're seeing the actual coffee cup of Divine Providence. The actual one. Hands. The one, the only, the one that was discovered out, you know, in, in the Middle East. It, it's a, <laughs> it was, it was an, an incredible I mean, find. Serious. No, seriously. Seriously. Well, we're giving away a replica of the coffee cup of Divine Providence this week. We can't give away the real one. Because that's just too good. It's too good to be true. And really, I mean, only us, you know, only we can have this one. But you can have a replica this week. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to sweeten the pot. I'm going to go ahead and sign this one as well. The whole Whoa. team is going to sign the, the, the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. Some people out there have uh, the ones that have three signatures, somebody who used to work here. But now you're actually going to have one with four, new and Whoa. improved, four. And it's the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence that we're giving away this week. 
as well as some other little goodies goodies (laughs) from the Catholic Drive Time team. You're from California, aren't you? The goodies. The goodies. Oh, there you go, folks. There you go. So praise be to God. A opportunity to win a coffee cup, a replica of the coffee cup of divine providence. But in order to win, you're going to have to call. There you go. Well, uh, good news is we have a caller on the line. Uh, So let's see who is on the line. Good morning to you. Can you hear me? Yes, this is Izzy Perez. Izzy, good morning to you, Izzy. Hi, where are you calling from? Good morning. I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. From Dallas. Very good. You know, every now and then, it's nice. I mean, we love we love San Antonio. San Antonio callers we come in. Them. We love San Antonio callers. Uh, but it's cool to have some people from other cities as well. So very cool. Where in uh, the Dallas area? You live in Dallas proper or live in the uh, suburbs? Just outside of Dallas proper in Farmer's Branch. Very good. Very mm. good. And where are you off to this morning? I am actually returning from Mass and uh, heading back home to uh, start work. Ah, praise oh. be to God. Well, it's good to hear. It's very good to hear. It's a great start um, of the day right there. I know it. It's praise be to God. They got a early Mass in, uh, in Dallas, so very good. What parish is that? St. Monica. St. Monica. So i got to write that us. down and make sure that uh, I see St. Monica when I come through Dallas and make a take a peek in there. Is, uh, do you all have uh, adoration at St. Monica? We do. We just on Tuesdays. Just on uh, Tuesdays. But but we're we're working on that. All right. Well, I'll keep that in mind because I'll be coming to Dallas sometime in the next month, and so maybe I'll peek in for adoration then. Uh, but uh, you are you familiar with the game show, Izzy? Do you, you know how to play? Yes, I am familiar. Perfect. Perfect. Then you know, uh, Rudy can be tricky, but I think I'm looking at these <laughs> questions here, and I'm thinking. Um, well, actually, some of these questions are pretty difficult. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I mean, some of these questions here. But don't worry. I'm sure you're going to do great. Are you ready to play? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Question number one, Rudy. Mm, are you ready? I am. All right. The question on the board. Being able to make good decisions in life is which gift of the Holy Spirit? You can tell that some people don't have this special gift, right? I'm just saying, right? Well, the answer is counsel. Counsel. And if you're finding yourself in a difficult situation, pray that God, Holy Ghost, may inspire you with counsel. Amen. Amen. That's why you got to get confirmed, right? I guess so. That's true. I guess, I mean, if counsel is the right answer, (laughs) is what I'm saying. (laughs) Which I'm not saying. Right. Issy, the question on the board is, being able to make good decisions in life is which gift of the Holy Spirit? 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy seems to think it's the gift of counsel. I don't know. I mean, I'm Catholic. I don't memorize the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Which counsel, right? (laughs) Yeah, which counsel, right? (laughs) That's good. Uh, Issy, 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? What say you from Issy? From St. Monica in Dallas. Uh, I was going with wisdom or prudence, but so I'm going to have to disagree. You're going to disagree. Are you sure there? Uh, okay. Let me think about that again. <laughs> All right, I'll agree. He's going to agree. He says Let's yes. Go. He says yes. He goes, yes, there you, you got go. It. Praise it to God. That is correct. It is, in fact, counsel. Look at that. Is he is a very it. wise man? He he did a double take, and what did he do? 
It's almost like he was infused with counsel. At I that think moment so. Somebody to counseled rethink him. Rethink about the question, you know. Very oh, good. Man. Very good. Praise God. That is so good. You see, um, I don't know about you, but uh, I think that you just received the gift of counsel right there. But praise be to God. You're, you must be a confirmed Catholic, aren't you? I am. Amen. Amen. All righty, Issy. Are you ready for question number two? Yes. I got to tell you, you, you got to tune your ears in because this question, is going to be a, this is a doozy. All right. Question number two, Rudy. All right. I'm ready. What happened to the papacy? In 1378. That could just be a question on its own. What happened to the papacy? <laughs> what happened to the papacy in 1378? Well, they yep. implemented this a fascinating bull back okay. then. Okay. So it was a it was essentially like a work from anywhere bill. Oh. Right. And so the Pope, because he was tired of living in Rome, you know, mm-hmm. kinda like when you grow up in one area and yeah. you're like, I hate it here. I want to go somewhere else. Yeah. He was an Italian Pope. I can't remember which one, 1378. But he was like, I don't want to work in Rome. I want to work in California. So he made it so that he could work from home in 1370. So you're saying that the Pope issued a bull that said that you can basically work anywhere you want, no matter what your job is. Wow. And so the the Pope went to? He went to California. Went to Cali. Do you know what city? Uh, there weren't any cities back then. Oh, Adrian. trick okay. question. There. Oh, but gotcha. I got you. Thirteen seventy-eight. Almost got you. Almost. Almost. All right. Well, there you go, folks. All righty, Issy. This trick. This could, question could be tricky. I might add. The question on the board. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Is what happened to the papacy in thirteen seventy-eight? Rudy seems to think that uh, the Pope issued a papal bull that said you can work from anywhere, so that way he could uh, get up and work from california uh, what say you is he 15 seconds o'clock is he right or is he wrong what say you is he i think i'm gonna have to disagree with that one you're gonna have to disagree <laughs> with that one you think that he might be wrong i i don't know he might be wrong that is uh let's see let's check that let's check that Okay, that is nope. correct. No, nope, he's yeah, wrong. That is, he, he is wrong. It is wrong. <laughs> Sorry, our producer okay. hit the wrong button. No, no, it you was, was wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So I was you wrong. You were wrong. I was yeah. wrong. You were wrong. Not you, Izzy. <laughs> yeah, But Rudy the answer is, is kind of close to, to what I mentioned, actually. It was the return of the papacy from Avignon to Rome. Right. So they were kind of working from home in Avignon. There you go. Well, more yeah, than that one was of a, them. That was a pretty <laughs> pretty horrible situation. Uh, when there, That was the time of a... At one point, there was three popes at the same time. I Two one anti-popes and one real pope. And the real pope was in Avignon, France, and the fake pope was in Rome. Yikes. <laughs> That's a confusing situation. So very concerning situation in 1378. Um, but very good, Izzy. You could not be tricked. Are you ready for question number three? Yes, I am. Thank you. This question, I might add, might be the hardest question we've had ever in the history of Catholic Drive Time. So we're going to jump into it. All right, Rudy. What is the long, narrow vestment of the same material and color of the chasuble, which is worn about the neck of the priest? That is an easy question. It's the stole. The stole. What did he steal? Well, he stole another soul away from the devil. Oh, interesting. Because he was wearing it when he baptized you. That's very interesting. I hope. 
I hope. <laughs> was wearing the stole when he did his blessing. <laughs> there you go, folks. There you go. All right, Issy. The question on the board. 15 seconds on the clock. What is the long, narrow vestment of the same material and color of the chasuble, which is worn about the neck of the priest? Well, 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy's going with stole. What say you, Issy, from Dallas, Texas? Hmm. Okay, I think I'm going to have to agree with Rudy on this one. You're going to have to. You have no choice. You're forced into it. <laughs> All so wise. right. All right. Let's so see wise. if you are correct. And the answer is they are correct. That's a, can you believe that? A three for three-er? Three-peat. In the coffee cup of divine providence. And I, got, I have to admit... These were pretty difficult questions. You did really well for some pretty difficult questions. So praise be to God, Issy. How do you feel? I feel great. Thank praise, you. <laughs> praise be to God. Praise be to God. All right, Issy, we're going to put you on hold and make sure that you we get your contact information so we can call you if we draw your name out on Friday. But God bless you. God love you. And have a great day. Great. Thank you so much. All right. God putting bless. you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. How do you do so? We'll just hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and we'd love to interact with you directly there. And we would answer whatever questions you want to talk about, whatever topics you want to talk about. We're going to cover those things in the after show. So make sure you do that. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. Praise be to God. We'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. And we're back. Welcome to the after show. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. The home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Monday of the 15th week in Ordinary Time. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Come Thou Almighty King, Help us thy name to sing, help us to praise. Father, O glorious, O victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who show the light of your truth to those who go astray, so that they may return to the right path, give all who are for the faith they profess are accounted Christians the grace to reject whatever is contrary to the name of Christ and to strive after all that does it on her. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Holy a reading from the Gospel, sorry, a reading from the book of Exodus. A new king, who knew nothing of Joseph, came to power in Egypt. He said to his subjects, Look how numerous and powerful the people of the children of Israel are growing, more so than we ourselves. Come, let us deal harshly with them to stop their increase. Otherwise, in time of war, they too may join our enemies to fight against us, and so leave our country. Accordingly, taskmasters were set over the children of Israel to oppress them with forced labor. Thus they had to build for Pharaoh the supply cities of Pathoms, Remesis. Yet the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. The Egyptian that dreaded the children of Israel and reduced them to cruel slavery, making life bitter for them with hard work in mortar and bricks, and all kinds of field work, the whole cruel fate of slaves. Pharaoh then commanded all his subjects, throw into the river every boy 
that is born to the Hebrews. But you may let all the girls live. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Response. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help, Our help is, is in, the in the name of the Lord. Had not the Lord been with us, let Israel say, Had not the Lord been with us, when men rose up against us, then would they have swallowed us alive when their fury was inflamed against us? Our, Our help is in the name of the Lord. Then would the waters have overwhelmed us? The torrent would have swept over us. Over us then would have swept the raising waters. Blessed be the Lord who did not leave us a prey to their teeth. Our, Our help is, is in the name of the Lord. Of the Lord. We were res rescued like a bird from the foulest snare. Broken was the snare, and we were freed. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Our, Our help, help is, is in the name, name of, of the Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his apostles, Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have come to bring not peace, but the sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's enemies will be those of his household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous man because he is righteous will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because he is a disciple, a man I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. When Jesus finished giving these commands to his twelve disciples, he went away from that place to teach and to preach in their towns. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I celebrate the 15th anniversary 
of my priestly ordination. Um, there's one thing the past 15 years and the 11 years before that taught me about ministry is that authorities are not perfect. This beautiful gospel was proclaimed to me when I was four years old by my own father. He sat me down and he said, son, I'm going to make mistakes. And when you see your dad making mistakes, don't worry. Uh, don't get upset. And he said, when I was a little kid, I thought my father was like Superman. He was indestructible and he was perfect. And it was really heartbreaking when I found out my, that he wasn't. I think every child has this idealism, and our idealism goes to God the Father. This is true for the first reading with civic authority and with church authority. That we think that just because they have that power and that authority, they should be taking care of other people. They should be serving. And it causes great distress to people when they're not. Well, because we're human, people carry their concupiscence and their sinfulness into whatever office they have. So Jesus, in the gospel today, this is good news. Although it's difficult news to bear, you know, I mean, why would God ever tell you to separate from your dad or your mom? Let me rephrase that. Your best friend who loves you a whole bunch, why would they ever tell you, please don't spend so much time with your mom or please stay away from your dad? If your father or mother were toxic, if they were harmful, if they were hurting you, if they were treating you like a punching bag, a doormat, they would say to you, please get away from them. Well, this isn't your best friend. This is God who is saying, if you have an abusive family member, don't give them yourself to beat on. You're not anyone's doormat. You're not anyone's punching bag. God himself, Jesus is telling you, if you have that abusive family member, don't spend time with them. Jesus came, because he loves you, to divide you from them. And that goes for any kind of uh, relationship of primacy, like even sometimes even religious obedience of superiors in religious communities can be bullies and cowards. They can be very difficult. And if that's the case, uh, if it's grave, a grave thing, and this is, goes for governments as well, like the Pharaoh of Egypt, uh, you know, that you might have to seek to replace them. You know, if, if a bishop or a priest or a, a president, or if they need to be impeached, if the Pope needs to, you know, this has to happen, and this is historical, this has happened in human history. It's very possible that that would happen. Now, some people would say, why? Why would God allow Pharaoh to oppress the, Egypt, the, the Hebrews? Why would he allow this Egyptian, most powerful government in the whole world, was oppressing the chosen people of God? Well, look at what happened. From out from that crucible, that purification, came Moses. It is in the purification of those situations that saints are born. And Moses came out of Egypt, and, and God allowed that situation so that holiness, and that the holy people of God can be purified. So if you are in a situation where there's some kind of authority, uh, but that's, that's difficult. Do not be afraid. Call no man on earth your father. Trust in the Lord alone. That's not to say that people have legitimate authority and that most of the time, most of the time, fathers are good. Most of the time, mothers are wonderful. 
but there's sometimes when you have to separate yourself from them, and this is what Jesus is referring to. We should take that as his good news, and we should also take that as to avoid any kind of demonic accusation that you're being a bad child. You're not being a very good son or daughter of your mom or dad because you're not treating them with the respect that they deserve. That's usually what the devil says to try to make you, force you, keep you in an abusive situation. Uh, but you have a solemn moral obligation to get away from that, especially if you have to care for uh, children of your own or you know other people who are affected by that. So we thank God uh, for this beautiful gospel of freedom, but it is also a gospel of boundaries, uh, what I like to call vitamin B. So let's pray that the church uh, the, and the world can be made holy by this beautiful gospel. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may be holy as Jesus is holy. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For human authorities, government leaders, that they may not obstruct the gospel. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the, the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase of vocations to priesthood, religious life, and the building up of holy families through holy matrimony, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Sanctissima, O Pissima, Dulcis Virgo Maria, Mater Amata, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Look upon the offerings of the church, O Lord, 
as she makes her prayer to you, and grant that when con consumed by those who believe, they may bring ever greater holiness through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for your holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you 
through your Son, Jesus Christ. Grow him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Praceptis salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audemus dicere. Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, dan homes hodie, Et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay. Qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. The sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for her young. By your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they who dwell in your house, forever singing your praise. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, I am not 
not worthy that thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him and trust the word to me. Let us pray. Having consumed these gifts, we pray, O Lord, that by our participation in this mystery, its saving effects upon us may grow through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Sing to Jesus. Is the scepter, is the throne. Alleluia, is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, hath redeemed us by his blood. Alleluia, not as orphans are we left in sorrow now. Alleluia, he is near us, faith believes, nor questions how. Though the cloud from sight received him, when the forty days were o'er, shall our hearts forget him? The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Dina Paduska from St. Elizabeth Anstein Catholic School. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. <laughs> 